Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Hosted by Todd Hirsch, ATB Financial's Vice President and Chief Economist, The Future of Podcast has launched its third season. By connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for things that mean the most to you, The Future of Podcast promises to give you insights to help navigate what is often an uncertain future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. Subscribe to The Future of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found, and connect at atb.com slash thefutureof. It's good to be busy. Sometimes. As we move into the summer months, it's a little more safe to get out and see people. A little bit. And so our social calendar has started to become a little more active than it has in the last couple of years. <laughs> yes. Like we're still being cautious. Of course. But again, outdoor activities are a little bit safer. And it's easier to do outdoor activities when there's not a foot of snow on the ground. Right, exactly. It's nice enough to have outdoor activities. Yeah. Been able to to get out a little bit. I hugged bit. my friends. It was so nice. Yes. <laughs> I've, I have nothing to add to that. That's what our social calendar has done for me. I've been able to hug some of my friends and it was real, real good for, for the soul. For the first time in a while. Quite a while in some cases. Hopefully your summer, dear listener also is uh, an opportunity to get out and perhaps shake off a little bit of the social rust from the last couple of years before we all presumably have to go and coop back up come fall and winter. But, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we'll see how things go. Yeah, fingers crossed. Indeed. I suppose that's a, that's a short preamble. Not not much to talk about this week, I suppose. Not really. <laughs> I'm I'm a little embarrassed. We don't have we don't have a lot of personal things to talk about to open our podcast this week. No, also it's been a bit of a busy day here. Oh, so goodness, yes. Our normal podcasting routine kind of got thrown a bit, so we're we're uh, freewheeling a little <laughs> in a way that uh we I mean, not that we don't play the uh intro to our podcast a little loosey-goosey on most days, but it's even loosier and goosier than normal. <laughs> so much goosier than normal. So uh, with that said, I guess we'll we'll do a brief recap of our previous chapter, chapter eight, in which we find out that Avram doesn't have a cold at all. He's just very allergic to animal dander. And had he mentioned that earlier, maybe they would have realized there was an animal on board before it became very dangerous. Right. But uh, not to put all the blame on Avram's shoulders there. No. He rightfully assumed it could have been something else. And we've also posited that our uh, scary little alien, in fact, came from that weird seed pod thing from, you know, back when. First of all, whose recap is this? Sorry. Second I'll, of all, I'll we stop. had posited that before the crew even posited Yes, that. but that's what I'm saying as part of the recap, because last chapter <laughs> they were positing it. Leave me alone. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, which is... What Avram gets for concealing his allergies. <laughs> but after hitting upon what might be a worthwhile avenue of investigation, the ensigns are shut down by Officer Neil, who radios to Pollux their theory. And that pretty much ends Chapter 8 and leads us into Chapter 9, 
of Screams from the Void by Ann Tibbetts. So we begin this chapter with a flashback to five months ago. Yes. After the bad breakup between Morvin and Reyna. Yep. We discover that things got out of hand at some point and it left Reyna unconscious on the floor after having been badly beaten up by Morvin. Yeah. This, oh, Morvin is so very broken and this is actually a very scary thing. Yeah. It left me a little unsettled. Yeah. They're in a sort of disciplinary hearing with the captain and we actually see how that went down now. And the captain kind of both sides is the issue in a weird way. And moreover, it seems more upset about the fact that they were fraternizing, which is against the rules of the ship, than the fact that it resulted in an assault. Late, a very scary assault. Yeah. So, yeah. One that left Reyna unable to work for a while. Right? From the sounds of it. So this just further reinforces that opinion I already had, and the opinion that Reyna clearly has, that they don't want to deal with it. They don't. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, the captain issues an order to the two of them to stay apart and not be in the same room together alone again for the rest of the journey, and then immediately leaves them alone in the room together. Right? <laughs> Ugh. It's, and, like, it's pretty terrible. The fact that one of your ensigns was just beaten to unconsciousness yeah. by another one of your ensigns. That is a whole separate crime than two of your ensigns fraternizing. Morvin kind of tacitly in this hearing admits that, yeah, okay, I, I beat her unconscious. But he kind of defends himself by arguing that he was provoked. And Reyna is, of course, rightly like, excuse me? Yeah. And this is, I'm not trying to give Morvin the benefit of the doubt here. This is not me taking his side. But I am trying to get in his head. And I'm wondering if he perceived that he was provoked by her because his ego is so fragile. It's very possible Reyna said something that set him off and he justifies it to himself as, well, she ran her mouth and it made me angry. So she had it come. That is a very typical abuser mentality. Yeah. It, this is your fault for making me angry instead of I need to deal with my own stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm not defending his actions by any stretch. No. I'm just, I don't think that he's necessarily lying to the captain, but I don't think that he's being honest with himself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely does. Yeah. Like he's justified it to himself. And in that way, he can honestly say to the captain, well, I was provoked. Yeah. And I think whether he knows it or not, the captain is kind of on Morvan's not necessarily on his side per se, but Morvin knows that he's only going to get a slap on the wrist. Oh yeah, for sure. Like he has to know that. Yeah. Right? Clearly the captain just wants, like, just stop both of you and let's never talk about this again so I don't have to deal with it. And Morvin knows that works in his favor. Well, and again, the uh, <laughs> Reyna gets punished for it because he mentions that they're both going to get a disciplinary mark on their records. It's explicitly because they were fraternizing, which they shouldn't have been doing on the ship. Which, okay, which is fair, right? That rule was broken by both of them. Fair enough. The captain is putting these two things together that are two separate things, right? Let the punishment fit the crime. Yes, okay, they were fraternizing, they both get disciplinary marks. Sure, that seems fair. One of your ensigns beat another one of your ensigns, physically assaulted her. 
separate crime should be separate punishment. Oh, for sure. And Morvin gets no punishment. No! This was infuriating to me. I was so upset and just disturbed, and it was all bad. It was all bad. I hope Morvin gets eaten. Uh, But there was one little nugget in there that I noticed that may or may not mean something. Reyna wishes Pollux were there. So does that mean that these two have, like, a friendly rapport? They might have some sort of rapport. Pollux, um, it's implied, I, I don't have the actual passage in front of me, but it's implied Pollux found Reyna or was aware of the assault and could corroborate it in yeah. a way that having Pollux there to back her up would have maybe put more weight in mm-hmm. front of the captain, but the captain had ordered a closed hearing, so. Yeah, of course. Anyway, I just, that's a teeny little nugget because as far as I know, with the exception of the very beginning when Pollux comes back into the ship, mm-hmm. those two, Reyna and Pollux, haven't interacted. No, it, outside of Reyna saving Pollux's life. Yeah, and even then, I don't think they spoke because well, Valda like, scooped was... up Pollux and, and, and got her out of there. Pollux was also out of it. Here's the thing, though. Pollux seems to have a pretty decent rapport with most of the ensigns. Like, based on uh, comments about Pollux from a number of other crewmates, nobody seems to really have a problem with Pollux on board. Outside of them snarking last chapter that, well, Pollux was supposed to do that report. And yeah. us noting that Pollux isn't as meticulous and is kind of sloppier than she thinks she is. Yeah. It seems like everybody gets on with her fairly decently. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least as far as we know. Yeah. Right? So. So anyway, <laughs> we carry on back to the future. Where we're all still in the galley. But yeah. this time it's not at a disciplinary hearing. It is now 12 o'clock. It has been three hours since chapter one. Morvin is stalking around like a caged tiger. He is stressed out that he can't go and do something. Like, he has an idea of what the problem might be. He wants to be able to help, and he's been told to sit tight. And it's actually driving him up the wall. I wonder if it's because he can't go do his hero thing. Well, that's certainly part of it, for sure. Right? Like, he, he definitely wants to be a hero, and he's being told, no, you're not allowed to sit down. Yeah. But more than that, like, he's he's sitting there helplessly. Yeah. And for a guy with an ego his size and his hero complex, that's going to rankle. Impotent anxiety is a, a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. Not everybody's dealing with their anxiety the exact same way, but everybody is definitely anxious. Uh, Neil is, like, re-washing dishes that were already washed. Yeah, he's stress cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> Partly, he was getting stressed out that Reyna wasn't doing a good job, but now she's noted that he's just re-cleaning them. Yeah. Reyna is trying to keep her distance from everybody, but is also, like, feeling the anxiety. And then, kind of abruptly, at around the same time that Reyna gets, you know, that feeling on the back of your neck? Like someone's breathing on you? Mm -hmm. She gets that sensation, but there's nothing behind her. And then Avram starts to go into anaphylactic shock. Oh, yeah. He gets a really, really bad reaction. Yeah. Thank goodness Tamsin is there and realizes what's going on and goes and fishes out uh, an EpiPen. Yeah, a future space EpiPen. Yeah, which, of course, there would be one or more kept in the kitchen just in case somebody has an allergic reaction to the food, right? Of course. There's probably med kits stashed all over the place because you never know when you're going to need one, right? Yeah. She comes back and injects him and saves his life, frankly. And everybody's like, well, what, what could have been causing an allergic reaction? And Raina has the presence of mind to turn back and look back at the spot that she was freaked out about before 
And sure enough, at that point, like there's a ripple of movement and some eyes open up and they realize, oh, there's an alien monster on the wall there. Alien! And Reyna has this like sinking sensation that she was sitting right next to it. Probably because she was. Yeah. And could not see it, but sensed it because it was so close. Yeah. Morvin takes a couple shots at it because they have their laser guns and it just scampers back into the... Into the vent. Into the air vent. And Neil gets on the intercom and is like, hey, the foreign biological was in the galley. Y'all need to get over here and deal with it. <laughs> now, the good news is the officers were basically right outside the galley. Yeah, pretty much. They were awfully close. I yeah. think they were like one level up. They were real close either way mm-hmm. because the thing basically scampers out of the vent right in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to take a little bit of credit here. Called it alien in the galley with the ensigns, Colonel Mustard. In the library with the candlestick. Oh, we're going to get there. Don't worry. In this moment, like, Neil gets on the intercom, but they're, they can already see the thing coming out of the vent at that point. And they start just lighting it up. And this time, the officers actually land some shots and are horrified to note that the creature seems impervious to laser yep. fire. It does not matter. No. They are doing damage. Yeah. Right? They they break skin. There's They can see, like, muscle. I think it bleeds a little bit. Yeah. Pollux realizes that the level that they have their their ray guns set to <laughs> is too low, so they crank them up. Uh, Osric points out, like, we're only going to get a couple shots at that intensity because it'll just drain the battery. But, I mean, they got to try to kill the thing. And even at full intensity, the laser guns are just searing its skin. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And th- while it is visible damage to the creature it doesn't seem to be slowing it down yeah no they're kind of hurting it they are certainly not stopping it no they don't even seem to be making it angry is the weird thing yeah like it it seems more annoyed by it this part got real gross yeah the creature kind of makes its way around them and separates off most of them from gala and it makes pollux realize that it's actually specifically trying to peel off Gala from the rest of the group. Yeah, it's hunting her. And sure enough, it then attacks her. And she's basically instantly killed. Yeah. Because the creature is a very efficient and lethal machine of death. And drags her up bodily into the, or tries to drag her up bodily into the vent. Except a human doesn't fit in those tiny vents the same way that little alien does. And so things go crunch and squish and it's very gross. Yeah. Uh, Suffice to say, her head makes it into the vent and not much else. And Osric, Valda, and Pollux are all left kind of like her. (laughs) Yeah. And um, yeah, that pretty much ends off an eventful but relatively brief chapter. Yeah. I have some questions. Sure. Left over. So when we first cut back to the officers, Pollux has sort of stepped away from the pack, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, for a moment. And they were whispering about her? Well, she's not in a good way. No, she's not in a good way. She is... She is trying to power through what is very clearly a bad allergic reaction. Like, her head is pounding. She's having trouble focusing. The rash has clearly moved all the way across her body because now both of her arms are itching. Um, she's hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's... she's obviously sick. And I can only assume that the other officers were like, um, we we should, tell, okay? we should tell Pollux to sit down. Like, <laughs> Maybe. But... Clearly they were whispering and not being on full alert. And I'm wondering what they were saying and if it's relevant or if they were just talking about how rough she looks. Clearly being not well. (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder why it was hunting Gala. Did it just randomly pick one of them? Hard to say. To eat or did it target her specifically? Hard to say. 
Because if it wanted just anyone, it could have taken out Reyna easily in the galley. It was right there. Yep. If it was hungry and wanted to eat someone, it could have taken anybody. But it specifically went after Gala. I also noticed that. Yeah. It is hard to say, but it is a pointed attack. Mm-hmm. Do you want to step into the accusing parlor for a moment? We, we can. I've gathered you all here in the accusing parlor. Accused. So I mentioned this in passing off pod to you last week, and this actually makes me a little more suspicious. Very good. So I am going to make another very spurious accusation at this time, based <laughs> on based on very circumstantial evidence. I'm I'm all ears. I have previously said that with Morvin and Osric, they're both very antagonistic. They're uh, not likable characters, and so it is very easy to cast aspersions on them and to say, well, these guys are obvious bad guys. But in a mystery plot, and we know that this is a bit of a mystery plot because it said there's a murderer on board on yeah. the back of the book, and we have not delved into that plot yet. Sometimes the obvious bad guy is not the obvious bad guy. Sometimes a non-obvious person is the bad Frequently, guy. Frequently, the obvious bad guy is not the bad guy. And so, Airman First Class Valda, Jacuz! <laughs> Really? Oh, yes. The doctor? The doctor. All right. Present your evidence. So, earlier on in the book, when Reyna is first called up to data processing by Gala, Valda shows up all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, and is like, hey, is everything okay? Like, he's worried about something. Yeah, I remember us talking about that. And Reyna is like, oh, no, it's fine. It's just a blown USB port. And he's like, phew, okay, and kicks his boots up and just starts chatting with everybody again. But he showed up pointedly when someone was called up to data processing to look at a problem. Okay. Number two, Valda may have been the one who processed the report on that spore sack that may have, in fact, been an egg. A report that was processed that Tamsin did not see with her photographic memory. If he knew what was in that spore sack and did not report it, that's super suspicious. Yes. If we circle back around to him showing up when Gala called Reyna up to data reports as well, mm-hmm. him showing up being like, hey, is something wrong? A little worried like? Maybe that gives him suspicion that Gala maybe learned something that she shouldn't have. And maybe that's why an alien that he might be aware of attacked Gala in that moment. Well, that's assuming then that he has some manner of control over said alien. He might. I mean, he might, but... That one feels like grasping at straws. Well, here's the thing. We have posited before that if there is a murderer on board, it is possible that the murder weapon... Is the alien? Is the alien. Yeah. Which would imply that perhaps the murderer does have some measure of control over it. And it could be something subtle. It could be as simple as like putting a scent on someone or knowing what might lure the alien. Could be anything. But Mm. we, we have pointed out it seems weird that the alien went out of its way to stalk and kill Gala in that moment. Didn't attack any of the officers, didn't attack any of the ensigns in the galley, who were completely oblivious to it, one of whom was standing right next to it. Yeah. It specifically went after Gala. And the only interaction I can think of that is weird earlier in the book with Gala involves Valda. Fair enough. A guy who may have seen the report about the alien before anybody else and kept it secret, and a guy who seemed pretty worried that somebody might have found something in the data processing room that he maybe didn't want them to see. Mm. Again, this is all very spurious evidence, but it is evidence. It is circumstantial <laughs> evidence that Valda very circumstantial that evidence. Valda may know something, or at least is trying to keep secret something from the rest of the crew. I will give you a solid maybe. Yeah. 
You haven't totally sold me, so I will give you a solid maybe. Look, we've done mystery novels before. <laughs> Look, wild speculation is our jam. Exactly. So I want to get that out there early just in case I am proven right later on. And I mean, Volta has taken shots at the creature too. I'm not saying that he hasn't seemed concerned about everybody and attacked the monster, but if he already knew the monster was largely impervious to laser fire, he probably mm. wouldn't have too much problem shooting it. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And while some people on board have definitely been acting like jerks, nobody's been acting particularly murdery. So <laughs> look at, looking at who's acting suspicious. And so far, Valda's the only one who's been acting suspicious. Very well. So uh, with that baseless accusation <laughs> made... Uh, I think that's pretty much where we can wrap it up for this week. Uh, so you'll want to read up on chapter 10 in time for next week. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, you know, one way to keep abreast of what's going on, say on your ship, would be to have maybe a newsletter that you circulate amongst the crew. Mm -hmm. Granted, not really as needed on a small starship, but maybe like on the Enterprise, got a thousand people on board, might want to know what's going on. When you're in a city... With more than a thousand people, you still want to know what's going on. And uh, one of the best ways to get that kind of hyper-local content is to look for independent news organizations. And here in Edmonton, there is one such news organization, which Nita's going to tell you all about. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which is on a mission to inform you about your city. Want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History and the weekly podcast pick. And it's free! Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. Taproot Edmonton. Yeah, for, for quick and easy news. As mentioned, there's definitely going to be some local news sources closer to you. You'll want to seek those out if you're not an Edmontonian. Absolutely. Uh, you can also, of course, check out some other podcasts right now by heading over to our network website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, there's tons of great content there. Uh, you can probably download it on your podcatcher of choice. While yep. you're there, give us a little rating and a review. Yeah. We appreciate it. We do. We'd also like to appreciate you on social media. For sure. We have the standard collection of medias. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. And we are at The Read Along on most of those. You can also email us. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. And we'll see you next time. Space aliens. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>